why is that funny? To, to the other teams, and this week, I don't know what your pastor did. I had back surgery, y'all, a couple of years ago. So the, when I, a nerve is pinched, it's that familiar nerve, but this one didn't hurt. It must be the one above it because I was in incredible pain the last two days. So you know how much I love to play. I'm pretty competitive. Uh, if you stir it back up, that was half a century ago, but I, was, I used to be real competitive. But I've recruited someone, if I can't make it, to, to take my place. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm not going to tell you who it is because you'd swarm him for his autograph. But he's not as good as I am. But he's, he can get the job done. He's, he's good. Uh, he may pop a hamstring within the first two minutes as well. But, you know, as you get older, things like that happen. And we'll pray the prayer of faith over him, and it'll be good. Y'all stand with me this morning. First Timothy chapter 6. Brother Wood, why can't we pray for you? It may be the Lord's will for me not to play. Just stop praying. Don't pray for me. Something worse could come upon you. <laughs> 1 Timothy chapter 6, 11 and 12. But you, man of God or woman of God, is talking to the people of God, but Paul was speaking to Timothy as his son in the Lord. Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And you lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto you were called. And you have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life where you are called. And you've professed a good profession before many witnesses. And 2 Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy... You need to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Before you're seated, give me just a moment this morning and y'all can stay seated the rest of the time. We as believers are multifaceted. We are sons, daughters of God. We are servants of the Lord. We are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are soldiers. There is a cosmic, divine fight, an epic battle from the beginning where uh, Adam stumbled and fell and God promised that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent and there has been a divine division between those of faith and those of many faiths or unbelief and the fight is real. The fight of faith is inevitable. The warfare of faith is brutal. The casualties are undeniable. The pressure is overwhelming and the temptation to quit is unending. But the reward is eternal and the results are irreversible. I want to encourage you today. That's my whole motive today for you as a believer. To encourage you to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. To not grow weary in well-doing. Now's not the time to pull back with the Son of God already peering into this world about to make His return. We are to be found faithful, standing with God, not ashamed of Him or His words. Standing against evil, standing in the minority, fighting our own personal life of faith. Let me pray for us. Father, I just humble myself before you this morning and I ask for uh, a sense of, uh, not a sense, Lord. I ask for uh, unmistakable measure of your anointing this morning to preach with clarity. Allow me, O oh Lord, to teach when I'm supposed to teach, to stir when I'm supposed to stir, and to encourage when I'm supposed to do such. Let my words be with such power and clarity that they go right to the center of who we are as people and change us. May the lights come on in our soul, finding confirmation for the things we thought were going on and illumination to the things we'd not yet seen. And I thank you for this privilege that's mine, O oh Lord, the most unworthy person in this place to get to preach the riches of your glorious gospel. Let your will be done in this house today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The fight of faith truly happens in your mind. 
It's played out in your body. It's played out in your emotions. It plays out in your relationships. It plays out in your finances. But the fight of faith primarily happens in your mind. Who do I believe God to be? What do I believe about God? What do those beliefs look like in the expression of my life? But this fight... It happens in my mind, but it plays out in relationships. It plays out in status and possessions and influence and notoriety and respectability and where we live and what we drive and who's the influence we have at work. It it's happens here, but it plays out in a thousand other different areas. The fight of your life, is what I call this morning's message, is an intense one. If you're taking notes, it's intense. Well, Brother Wood, I don't have that. Ain't no intensity. I believe. God loves me. I love God. Well, then you're good at the sun part, but you've not entered into the soldier part. See, we're all of the above. It's not just jumping daddy God's lap. There's the serving of the Lord. And then there's a fighting in this world, taking upon ourselves the responsibility of fulfilling the sufferings of God and fighting against the evil. Your pastor's interpretation of this scripture uh, is that the mystery of iniquity doth already work, except for the one that restrains now till they're taken out of the way and the man of perdition be revealed. I believe that's the church. It's not the Holy Spirit being taken out because people get saved during the great tribulation, but the church stands in the way of mass rebellion and mass chaos. And this is not a political statement, so don't write me. I, I've got a special folder for all those letters. Don't write me. I'm not into politics. But what you're going to experience in the coming months, my opinion, is that any righteous decision that is made is going to cause great animosity for those that love unrighteousness. It's just going to happen. Uh, our president is flawed just like every president before him, but every sane decision is going to create animosity and anger from insane people. Every righteous decision is going to stir up unrighteousness. And the surefire way to avoid criticism is to say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing. I didn't write that. Aristotle did a long time ago. But your battle is intense. The Bible said in Ephesians 6 that you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And this isn't WWE wrestling. This is battle to the death wrestling. You, your soul tussles in your sleep with demonic opposition. Your mind during the day is... is, is uh, bombarded with ideas and thoughts and media and television and, and music contrary to who you are in Christ. The battle is severe and it all starts in your mind. Your adversary is real. He is violent and cruel. Listen to this. And he is knowledgeable and current concerning you. The devil is not all-knowing, and the demonic forces that oppose the people of God are not all-knowing, but that doesn't mean they know nothing. They know what you're afraid of. They know your greatest fears. They know your insecurities and your weaknesses, and they play upon them. Oh, what's the doctor going to say? Oh, what's the doctor going to say? And that person that worries spends the next three weeks to a month paying the interest on something that hasn't even happened. It affects her capacity to be a mother. It affects her capacity to be a wife. And that month is lost and the influence and opportunities. See, it's, it's, it's simple and it plays out like little fingers all through our life. He knows what will scare you. You're going to be alone. Your husband's going to die like his daddy died. You're never going to be well again. God's not her. He is... He is Paul said, we are not ignorant of his tactics, which means I'm starting to learn that he knows me, so I'm not going to be surprised with the attack coming the same area. Now, it may come a different way, but the same area. How many of you feel like the test, you go, give me a break. It's the same thing over and over. Well, when these Super Bowl teams line up, 
Don't expect to see the same team that played last week because they're not preparing to play the opponent they played last week. They're prepared to play the opponent they're playing this week. And your enemy watches you, and I know where to look for him at. I know the avenue. Paul said, we're not ignorant concerning his devices. Not only does he know you, but you know him. And a prepared mind is powerful. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds out of my mind. You can't trick me there because I know who God is and I know what God said. Your enemy is deceptive. Oh, he's persistent. You think you'd win a battle. Have you ever done this? Have you ever won a true spiritual battle? And then like the next week, it's, it's right back. Same girl, different dress. And you go, I thought I passed this test. Has anybody said that phrase? I thought I passed this test. Well, you did, but not at that level. Not at that level. Can you imagine Satan in the Garden of Eden? Eve, mother of all living things. Have you tried this apple? It'll make you wise. It tastes wonderful. Can't do it. God said we'd die. And the devil goes, I thought I could have got mankind to fall. Okay, never mind. He'd come back next week. Eve, have you tried apple butter? How about apple jam? How about apple pop tarts? Apple pie? Apple cider? Apple vinegar? Which is not apple juice, by the way. Someone told me that this week. Not the same thing. But your adversary, listen. There are people that act like he's not there. They act like the demonic forces are not there. They don't ever acknowledge it. And there's some that give him all power and they're afraid of him. I know he's there. I know he's an archangel. And I know one third of heaven fell with him. And I know he governs this world temporarily. He's the prince of the power of the air and the world speaks for him. Got it. I know I am outnumbered in the world system. Yes, I know I'm in the minority. But I'll tell you something else I know about my enemy. He is limited. He can only go as far as God gives him permission to go. Read Job if you don't believe it. God said, you can do anything but take his life. And don't you go a step further. And the devil said, yes, sir. So he's limited. He can't overcome you. But you can quit. He can't overcome you and the fear of what if I don't make it God has to not make it for you not to make it my life is hid in Christ with God and for me to go under mean God has to go under and had the prince of the world knew what he was doing he wouldn't crucify Jesus because when he got up out of the grave he understood I have messed up now I can't do anything to him oh he allowed me to kill him oh and Jesus went into the lower parts of the earth and preached the gospel to Old Testament saints. And on the third day, as scheduled, on his way out, he said, keys. And the devil said, yes, yes, sir, yes, yes, sir. And the Old Testament saints saw relatives walking through the streets of Jerusalem on their way. And as Jesus entered into the heavenly realm with them following him, that first resurrection... All of them following. He said, open up ye gates and lift ye up ye everlasting doors so the king of glory can come in. The angel said, who is the king of glory? The Lord strong in battle. I am the king of glory. And they opened up. And all Satan is concerned about is that you not know who he is and you not know who you are. Because if I know who I am and I know who God is, those that know their God are strong and do exploits, not in sports, in battle. Your armor is greater than his weaponry. See, your adversary is, your adversary is limited. Let me, I missed this point. Wherefore, take unto yourself the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, I know some of you charismatics, hyper-charismatics, and I'm Pentecostal, by the way, if you're visiting, to my toes, tongue talker, all of that, but some of you charismatics may not like this. Your ultimate goal is not to win the battle. It's to stand. And we get discouraged because we're not winning. 
But God said, take unto yourself the whole armor of God that you can stand, persevere, continue. And we don't win till the king gets here. And I can stand, you can stand anything. You can stand everything. And the overcoming is the continuing. Listen to these statements. Your armor is greater than his weaponry. Your possession on the inside is stronger than all the world's pressure on the outside. Your backup is stronger than their front line. I like that one. It looks like now we're not winning. It looks like now that uh, we are outnumbered and outmanned. It looks like the church is some feeble, anemic, scattered. We're not on the airways 24-7 in its truest form like the world. It looks like we're outnumbered. That's because the king ain't here yet. You got little foot soldiers up here. And we're dressed in our armor. And the host of hell and the entire world is against us. And he said, just persevere. Backup's coming, baby. And that king's coming. And I'll read it to you in a moment. And he's coming on a white horse. And at the end of it all, when he's done, and the slaughter is so great that an angel standing in the sun. I want that on video. Standing in the sun calls for all the fowls of the earth from all over the world. Come to the feast of the death of God's enemies. Oh, listen. You need to know that no matter how hard the fight, backup's coming. Backup is coming. And he's angry. Well, how can you? God is a God of love wins. He will squeeze the nations in the wine press of his wrath. And the blood and the, and the army of Armageddon, the battle of Armageddon in the valley of Megiddo will run bridle high to a horse for 200 miles. And every knee that's alive, every knee connected to somebody that's alive will bow. And every resurrected evil person will bow. And every glorified saint will bow their knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The devil's limited. Don't think he's winning. Oh, well, he's winning. Well, it's just third quarter. or fourth, It's fourth quarter, but we're just playing backups right now. Wait till the king gets here. Well, the, the church is getting the kingdom ready, and we're going to usher in the king. What Bible are you reading? And I'm not being negative. He comes in and wins the victory. He's the one we're waiting for. The author and finisher of our faith. Let me get on. i got to hurry. Number two. The fight of your life is a personal one. No one can prepare you for battle or keep you battle ready but you. Well, come on down here. Pastor's going to put his hand on you. And be a soldier in Jesus' name. And, they, and walk off. That didn't cost you nothing. You know why that's popular? Because it didn't cost you nothing. Paul said, I beat my body into subjection. I deny my flesh. I live a disciplined life so that my spirit man can be strong. David had warriors and then he had mighty men. And a mighty man's the one you send in. There's 30 or 40 people there. And he said, I don't need to send a crew. Joab, go get them. And Joab's strong. But that's a disciplined soldier. Like No one can do that for you and God will not do that for you. You do know there's some things God will not do for you. He will not give you a work ethic. He will not build your character. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, those things are evident to the Spirit-filled life, but self-control produces a lot of those things. We have to do those. And one of the reasons the Christian church has so few soldiers is that we're unwilling to go through boot camp. Okay, I've not been in military, but my brother was a Marine and my granddaddy was in the services. How many of you have been in the service, armed services? Through boot camp. Hold it up. I want to just look around. Okay. Now I want you to respond, nobody else. Do I have any idea what that's like? Well, I've seen movies. Come on. No, I've seen real movies about it, I've read books. 
said, my brother told me, he said, he, we were talking one day, he goes, from the moment you get there, <laughs> said, you are, in essence, losing your identity, and you are becoming one with this army, this unit, one person. You are no, life is no longer about you. That guy coming in at 4 o'clock in the morning waking people up, and I, I've not heard this, so I'm secondhand beating a, a pot or a pan. Mama's little girls like the rat. Get up, boys. Get up. And they, whoa, Jesus, what? Stand in your drawers doing push-ups. You ain't even put on clothes, running outside, in your underwear, stuff over your head, in the rain. And I'm going, is all that necessary? <laughs> I'm more inspired with encouragement. <laughs> and these men that are war-trained goes, do you know your ineptitude could cost this man his life? And Christians know all about gifts and very little about tenacity. They know very little about warfare. And they get into boot camp and they find three other Christians to pray with them that God would deliver them from this evil. The two of us agree as to touching any one thing and I can't take it. And God says, well, get out. And they go, oh, thank you, Lord. Pressure's off. And God's thinking, no, thank you, Lord. You're still stateside. You ain't helping at all. Grace, our salvation, is all about what God did for us. But being a soldier is about all that you can do for God. And this is our problem. We can't do the push-ups. Or you get in there and you go, they're killing me. You're writing home, Mama, they're killing me. <laughs> ain't going to make it. Ain't going to make it. Serious. And when they come home, do you know what the number one thing Mama says and Daddy says? Especially Daddy. Because daddies understand this part. He goes, I don't recognize my boy anymore. He's a man. And time is fast approaching where we are to lay us, it's past due, to lay aside the childish things and to grow up into him who is the fullness of God, even Christ Jesus. Through discipline. No one can wage this battle for you. No one can be prepared for you but you. It is personal in that how you fight this war has immediate and unmistakable effects on your life here and now and an unchangeable outcome in the life to come. This idea of warfare is just as real as I told you of sonship and servanthood. So the question is not are we soldiers but what kind of soldier are we? Are you trained? Are you battle ready? Are you informed? Are you smart? Are you sober? Are you familiar with the weapons in this warfare? The last thing a soldier wants is an inept person beside him or a coward or somebody indecisive or somebody that's not sober. In this last day, be sober. Wake up. The day of the Lord is at hand. And we're fighting for our homes and our influence and our, 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 our areas. And if we're not sober, we lose those battles and the casualties aren't us they're other people are you loyal or disloyal are you present or AWOL are you a comrade or are you divisive are you dependable or inconsistent are you courageous or cowardly are you determined or indifferent are you battle tested or are you a novice you cannot be battle tested without the battle And I just believe the Lord is getting us ready. And as a local church, I'll tell you again. I want all of you to look this way. My goal is not to see how many people I can get in here. That's not my goal. That's called a crowd. Ball games draw a crowd. My goal is to disciple you. Discipline, disciple, train. So that you can be stronger in your homes, in your work, in your calling. And that your gifts and your influence would would honor the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's my responsibility, not the other. Well, we have free Chick-fil-A Sunday next Sunday. You have 900 people. That tells you one thing. 400 people love Jesus and 500 love Chick-fil-A. It's easy to draw a crowd. And there's no crowds going to boot camp. Be careful if, you know, <laughs> with what you draw them with, uh, everything's great. We're great. You're great. Come on in. Everything's great. Party is confetti falling. And then you got that sergeant standing at the door saying, Come on in, boy. Ain't no crowd. 
Because this is real. The invitation to grace is pure and gentle and simple. And you are forgiven. And from then on, he says, I want, you to, I want to use you. I want you to teach children. I want you to be an evangelist. I want you to pastor. I want you to have a home group. I want you to be an intercessor. And the workers are few. You think the crowd's small? The workers are few in this world. The fight of your life is a painful one. Because it draws clear lines. We're always going to be in the minority, always aliens, and never fitting in in this world. But in the one to come, perfect fit. It's painful because it's violent. It's painful. What I just told you about it requires incredible discipline, consistent focus, and singleness of heart and mind. It's painful because of the casualties along the way, leaders and comrades. And it's especially painful when it's friendly fire. I was talking to some new friends this last week. And if you've been in ministry a long time, you'll have disappointments along the way where it wasn't an enemy, but it was a fellow soldier. And it's really usually irrelevant whether it's on purpose or not. But when you're hurt by someone else, the issue is still hurt. And you can't be a soldier and not experience attack. Some experience friendly fire and others accidents. But it still does not change the fact that we see ourselves as a son willing to serve, called to be a soldier. And you're greater than what happened to you. And you're greater than what that minister said. And you're greater than what they said you wouldn't be. I had one guy, believer, deacon, shot me right in the heart the first time I preached in my home church. Walked right up to me and shot me in my heart. He knew what he was doing. That's a small thing, but it was very painful. I was called to preach. I was so nervous. No, you don't understand. Like, can't get out of the potty nervous. Do you hear me? Nervous. I shook like this. and I had, That's why I never wear a handheld mic. I still shake when I preach sometimes. Because I was doom, 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 doom. And it just wasn't good. So. But I did my very best. And God was there. And I was anointed. It wasn't good. But I was anointed. God's hand was on me. Just come out of my old life. I'm preaching like two, three months later. So the wisdom pool was about, yay, big, you know. But I did my best and I thanked my pastor and I, and I preached. And I got down off the stage and people were coming by. That was good, Brother John. You know, some, it was just on their way out, you know, something to say. And a couple people said, you know, it was good. And this guy walked up and I knew who he was. He's a, a pillar, a pillar been there forever and with nobody around he goes John that was all right four or five years you may make a decent preacher and walked off and I stood there a minute and I walked in my office and I cried like a five-year-old little boy but I want to tell you something and some of you've had far worse than that okay an earthly soldier can die a spiritual soldier never dies. Because I ain't who you say I am. You didn't call me. And you're not my judge. And you're greater than what happened or what didn't happen. And the, 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 the revenge of ministry is not setting him straight. I'll go years and not think about him. And this, this is carnal probably. <laughs> the part of it. Pioneer in seven, eight churches. And then you look back at a man that's so small that he finds his significance in making people feel smaller than him. Soldiers just, they tell the other soldier, don't worry about that. Keep your eyes on the mission. Let's do this. And for those of you that have experienced pain, former pastors and the other, don't let someone else's weakness rob you of the opportunity to earn rewards for yourself in the kingdom to come. You just keep on, baby. Just keep, I ain't got to set them straight. Just keeping them.
It's a painful fight because of our weaknesses, our insecurities, our failures, and our fatigue. And it's painful because every soldier longs for home. And there's no leave until the battle's won. This is what's different about the spiritual war. In the earthly war, unless a soldier signs up again, there's always the hope of coming home. My boy's coming home. We don't get a leave here till we get home. And then it's eternal one. And that longing to be home. I'm amazed at the Christians that don't long for heaven. I'm, I'm just being honest. Amazes me. When you talk about heaven, like, I don't know. I'm like, don't know. That's home. That's the, the moment we close our eyes in this world, we are present in the next one. And you ain't going to have to learn anything. You're going to know what, where everything is. We're home. Randy's still there. He, he's still there. My father's still there. And leave, it seems like a long way away until you get it. And those military men will tell you, it's like you have to forget about home, really. You have to, but when you're home, you're back. The negative is some military men are never the same when they get home. But God will wipe all of that away. And there will be no sorrow, no crying, nor pain. The former things will be gone. And God will make everything new for the spiritual soldier. Very quickly, number four. The fight of your life is a transformational one. It is the numerous and fierceness of these battles that introduce you to yourself. These battles reveal the real you, the you you haven't met yet, but has been there all along. It shows you weaknesses that you didn't know you have, and battle shows you strengths you didn't know you have. That's how little young men become men. Those battles teach them that with the right weaponry and the right knowledge, they can be stronger than the other. And the spiritual battle, we're guaranteed that victory. But it transforms us. You can't be battle-tested without doing the battles. You can't be victorious in battle without fighting the battle. And you get to meet you. And I saw some things in ministry that were very ugly about myself. And I saw some good things that I didn't know were in there, but I know who I am now in the Lord. I know my weaknesses and I know my strengths because those battles introduce me to myself and to God. It is these battles that teach you the sufficiency of Christ. My battles have done more for me than my uh, uh, recreation has ever done. My battles have taught me that no matter where I am, I am under the sight of God. And he looketh after me. And the angels of the Lord encamp round about them that fear him to deliver them. I know that God's finger has pointed. And if I am in that direction, that hand is right there to provide. I don't have to beg. I don't have to borrow. I just let my needs be known unto God. And he supplies them all by his riches and glories through Christ Jesus. No matter what I need whether it's mercy or miracles, God will provide for me. And in those battles, when you should have died. Now, this may not be everyone. Those military men and women that raised your hand. Were you ever in a battle that you shouldn't have made it out of? And when you get home, yeah. You get home and you, or you get back to the, the barracks and you go, how did, how did we make it out? How did we make it out? The longer you do this with the Lord... You get a feel for it. And you're outnumbered. You're on your back. The devil has a knife at your throat. And you go, it don't end this way. I'm an overcomer. And God does something somehow. And you know, a chopper comes in and blows in. But something happens and you go, I made it out. Do you know how I know I'm, I'm in his fold? Do you know how I know? I just keep coming out of stuff. You just keep making it. You just keep coming back. That's, that's how we know. What is in us is greater than what's in the world. That's not just something for us to dance about. It means that you can't be overcome. What is in you is the life of God. And so if I have the life of God, surely I have the sufficiency of God. And these battles teach us that. These battles teach you to reprioritize your life and teach you what's really important. It's funny if you watch a soldier, a true soldier, when they get out, they don't do foolishness. 
the trinkets and stuff. It's, no, it, it, they know what's important. Their life's been reprioritized. And we who are believers, we're not playing with the bubble wrap in the floor when the presents are available uh, in the kingdom to earn reward for God and to have something in the life to come. It's not how much we have in our account in this world. It's how much we have in our account in the next one. And it's these battles that give us opportunity to partake of the sufferings of Christ and to later share in the glory of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4. For which cause we faint not, though our outward man is dying, our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look at the things which are seen, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Our outward man is perishing, but our inner man is being renewed day by day. This fight of our fight, uh, faith, fight to believe, fight to continue, fight to be faithful, fight to be effective, fight to be pure, fight to be disciplined, fight to be a servant, fight to be merciful, it changes you. It's in the fighting, the unwillingness, the unwillingness to be stateside and not involved. You can't be in the army of the Lord and not be changed for his glory. Not hardened, it's the opposite. We become meeker. It's, it's hard for us to imagine that, that the meekest person wins because in the army, on the ground, you want the mean guy. You want the guy with the gun and the grenade in his teeth. You want all of that. But in the kingdom, it's the meek one that knows that he can't be overcome. And God uses... He uses the love in his home, like the Father's house, to, to nourish us. He teaches us to use an apron and to wash people's feet to humble us. And he uses battles to strengthen us. If I was to go into physical battle, I don't want the guy with all the new gear on. I want the old guy with the scar from here to here. And he's still good. And he's like, pick me, bud. That's who I'm, I'm, the other guy got all the, you know, it's like the guy that plays football with all the new little things on his elbow and arm and sweatband and tassel and everything. Uh, that guy with four teeth, what's your name? <laughs> That's who I want. <laughs> now, so you don't think I'm just being funny. The Apostle Paul could go in a room with a hundred people in the Sanhedrin and they're all mocking him and laughing at him and he'd pull off his shirt. He'd say, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. They beat me and whipped me till I died. And while they stood over me, God raised me up again. I'm not intimidated of you, and I'm not intimidated of you. I tremble before one. And Paul moved the world. He moved the world because he was a soldier. Prove it to you. Sons of Sceva were casting out demons in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And the demons come out of this man and said, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? Strip these boys naked, run them down the street naked, and demons chase them. So if other people didn't see the demons, all they see is naked boys running down the street screaming. They don't know what's going on. But listen, this demon said, Paul we know. Does hell know your name? I didn't ask you, does God know your name? Does hell know your name? You know, there are women in this church, you don't even know their last name. And they move their families in prayer. They are valiant. They weep, but they weep strong. There are people that teach that don't want to teach. There are people that lead worship. And if you knew what was going on in their lives, you'd say, how do they continue? Because they're soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we don't in this church have this, won't you come help? How many of you will help? We need you. Hey, we're going to have two parties, and everybody comes, and we're going to have finger foods, and I'm going to talk you into serving. Nope. It's I serve because I love the Lord Jesus, and I don't need you manipulating me to serve. And they're faithful. And you can't be faithful without being transformed. It is in the faithfulness that we are being changed from what? 
Glory to glory. We behold Him. We serve Him. We're in relationship with Him. And we fight for Him. And we're changed. We're transformed. And finally, the fight of your life is a predictable one. Of course we'll be hated. If they called the master of the house Beelzebub, guess what they're going to call you? If they called Jesus the Lord of the flies... And see, this is another thing that shows you. Jesus said, you'll be hated of all men for my namesake. Well, our church really isn't hated by people. You know. Now, our goal is not to be hated. If you want people to hate you, you need a therapist. You need a counselor. But Jesus said, no, they hated me because my righteousness, my right, it convicted. And churches in the last day that are true churches are going to be hated and despised. We as believers are. So we're, we're not unaware of this, but it's predictable. Of course we're in the minority here, but there, forever, there won't be a minority. It'll be the redeemed of the Lord. It's predictable. We're hated because we're children of the Most High. That's why the world hates us, because the devil that runs this world hates us. We're not only in his place, we're above him. He was created as the anointed cherub, Lucifer was, uh, that covereth. His, his body was, and I can't accept, I don't really understand it all, except I can just tell you, he was covered in precious stones and jewels. And some commentators feel that he was a choir director in heaven. Something to do with worship. Some say that when he moved, uh, through their study of Greek and Hebrew, that when he moved, his actual being made music to glorify God. And he was cast from that position, let's say the highest position right under God, the archangels. He was cast down into the, the atmosphere, the upper level of earth. And he sees people like John Wood, just an old, at that time, a young, perverted, sexually saturated uh, Addicted to alcohol, base, vile person. Oh, you shouldn't say all that. It's true. And he forgave me of my sins and put his spirit in me and has seated me in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. He hates me because not all, I didn't take his place, I got put a notch above. I am the bone of God's bone and the flesh of God's flesh. I'm his son. You wonder why the, the world, why it just doesn't work because you're the son and they're not. We are sons and daughters of God. Ben, if you'd come, please. The fight is predictable because we know the many stories in the word of God of how saints fought and the promises of divine aid that are found in God's word. These stories were written aforetime for our learning that we might find hope. When I read of David and Goliath, I understand that giants can't stand before me. When I read the story of Moses, I know that seas have to get out of the way if I'm in God's will. When I read the story of Paul being lowered in a bucket out of a window, sometimes you just do what you can. I learn that when my boat breaks apart, that I can find a little piece of something and, and float into shore. Sometimes you're saved on a little piece of something. Sometimes God rains food from heaven. And other times he gives you a field to plow. The Bible shows us that God is no respecter of persons. And how they navigated it, we navigate it. So it's predictable. Sure we're going to suffer. Sure we're going to be healed. Sure we're going to struggle. Sure we're going to overcome. Sure, we're going to go into dark seasons and then we'll come into the light. It's very predictable. It's predictable because we know how the final battle ends. I alluded to it earlier, Revelation 19. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judged and make war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. That's us. 
clothed in fine white linen and clean. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The fight of your life is predictable because we know that he's coming for us. Well, a lot of people in church don't believe it. Well, he ain't coming for them. Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Unto them that look for him. I'm looking for him. And the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And everybody that's ever died in Christ is going to get up out of the ground. Then we which are alive and remain are being caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord near. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I know how this is going to end. We're taken out. The day of the Lord, very quickly, rapture and revelation. All are part of the day of the Lord. The rapture of the church, the marriage supper of the Lamb, where all the believers are gathered. And then when we're done with the festivities, Jesus says, get on your horses. I'm coming to take over. How can we go with him if we're not with him? And people like you and I get to follow. And we're going to see that all this struggle just kept the battle going till Jesus comes. Oh, that sounds like a fairy tale to you. It is. But to we who hope and believe, we know better. To the battle weary, for the minister that is bruised and hurt, to the mama that's tired, to the daddy that struggles with a besetting sin, to the one that can't watch the news anymore because fear takes over. I have a word out of God's word for you. I'm not a prophet, not the son of a prophet, but this is what scripture says. And I don't know if I've ever said this sentence in 30 years. I don't know if I ever have or not, but I believe it's applicable and I receive it for myself that the God of heaven will bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Shortly. Yes, he is. We, we got to work. We can't talk about what we did 20 years ago. The Lord's coming. And we got to be active. We've got to be faithful. There's people in this church, you're AWOL. You, you love the Lord, but you're AWOL. Your Christianity has nothing to do with what you're doing. Well, brother, grace is of the Lord. Yeah, but how do you respond to that grace? We give our lives. We give our lives to the local church and to others. If Jesus tarries, and the Lord has his perfect will in this church. And that's some of the things that I, I want to share with you. And please don't think I forgot about you. There's, there's just a timing to it. I believe the Lord is going to relocate us. I believe that you're going to see such miraculous provision. You, you're going to stagger at what it is. And when all hell breaks loose, and it will... And I'm not afraid. I want you, I'm not afraid of any of it. We're going to be debt-free, on fire, and effective. If our church, if we don't ever get so many, he never asked me to, uh, I'm not a keeper of the corral. We're a fisher of men. Can you imagine that army guy training everybody and saying, now you can't leave. But I just need y'all here at the recruiting station. Just, we're just going to meet every week and talk about it. The soldiers go, what? Don't you like the feel? Look at us. We've got a big crowd. When are we going to fight? <laughs> this is not the game. This is a huddle. The game's played out there. And I believe there will be decisions today where people say, I am going to stop just talking about how I feel towards you. And I'm going to serve you. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. Final thoughts. Paul on his dying breath, on his deathbed, 
brings in Timothy, his son in the Lord. Same guy he talked to about being a soldier and during hardness. He said, Timothy, come close, buddy. He looked him in the eyes and he said, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. Wait a minute. Fight the good fight of faith. He said, I kept it. My faith in God, my faith in the world to come, my faith in eternal reward, my faith in, I, 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 I kept it. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord is going to give me in that day, and not only me, but everyone else that serves in this way, that longs for his appearing. Bye, son. And he passed it on to Timothy, who pastored and shepherded and spent his life the same way. May God grant us eyes to see and a heart willing to serve. And may we be active in the army of the Lord. Fight the good fight of faith. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you bow your heads as we get ready to go? Lord, for all of us, you know where we are. You know what we need. And we just make ourselves available. Use me, O oh Lord. Use me, O oh Lord. Use me, O oh Lord. It's going to take some preparation. Use me, Lord. Might have to relocate you. Use me, Lord. Doesn't matter. No one looking around. I feel in my heart the Spirit of the Lord whispering a couple of things and I offer it to you in humility. I feel the Lord saying to some of you, men, you're way better than this. You're way better than this. I believe there's women here telling you you've forgotten who you were and you think it's impossible to dance with broken bones. And you will laugh again. You will smile again and you will dance again. Lord, I ask that any part of what I preach today, if it came from my soul, or my mind that you would just erase it from the heart of your people. But if it came from you, I pray that it would be so burrowed into us that it makes us uncomfortable, that we would be lovers of God more than lovers of pleasure, and that we would be faithful in your service, wherever it is. For the glory of your Son, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. I love you today. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.